This is the Orange Podcast, conversations with Orange City Council for the local community. This is Alan Reader, and as springtime finally shows signs of kicking in, this is the Orange Podcast, coming to you from the regional city that has more blossoms than hot dinners. Among the fresh ideas coming to you this week from the corridors of Orange City Council, we'll hear where our city's newest set of festoon lights are being switched on to be tested for the first time over a car park. And we'll hear from the director of Orange's regional gallery, Brad Hammond, to discover what he's so excited about. I usually get to go through about once a fortnight and every time I come out I don't sleep for the rest of the night because it's so exciting. It's a space that's coming together as I imagine but even more exciting once we see it you know from animations to the real thing it's great. More from Brad Hammond later in the show but first up today if you've ever visited inner city Melbourne you'll know how some little used laneways have been transformed into a retail area that attracts many many visitors. That's the hope for Orange's McNamara Street a collection of lanes, nooks and crannies that are being transformed by being one of Orange's first future city projects. Engagement Officer Ellie Bryce caught up with the council staffer who's coordinating that project for a progress report. We are nearing towards the finish line for our McNamara Street Future City upgrade. We've been working on that one for almost three quarters of a year. It's been a little while, but we're finally getting to the end end line. I'm here with John Boyd, who is our Operations Manager at Orange City Council. John, talk us through what the revitalisation of McNamara Street has involved so far. We've added quite a lot to um, McNamara Lane or McNamara Street, I'm sorry. Um, in various things such as on-grade disabled parking, whiteway lighting, uh, a new footpath um, down the uh, western side of the street and uh, we've actually done a lot of repairs and things to the uh, the eastern side footpath. We've um, we've placed a number of trees in McNamara Street. Um, We've got the festoon lights that have been placed over the uh, McNamara Street car park. We've resealed the car park and the and the McNamara Street itself. Um, we've also um, installed some parklets in the um, parklets in in the footpath, which are eat areas, which will ultimately have the potential for uh, recharging ports for mobile phones, etc. And um, probably one of the most exciting components of it, we've actually added artwork to various locations in the street as well. John, in saying all of this. Um why do we think McNamara Street was one of our target spots? Why did we want to upgrade this one? I guess um, Council's been looking at revitalising uh, major components of the Central Business District. Um, McNamara Street is only one component and as um, residents and ratepayers will be aware, we've been, they've been spending quite a bit of time working on other areas such as uh, Bing Street and Lord's Place as well. But really, it's to just revitalise um, and add some energy to the uh, to the various um, to, to McNamara Street. John, how has this project gone so far? As I said at the start, this has sort of taken us most parts of eight or nine months. So, how are things tracking, and how have they been going? Well, I must admit we have had a few challenges along the way. Um, once we started to really get into the into the work, we um, we came across a fair bit or a few delays through wet weather, and um, also COVID's had a made played a major part in uh, in slowing the project the project down. 
that's meant difficulties in getting resources, contractors to the site, and also um, supplies to the site. It's been very difficult to get things out of Sydney. Um, probably, I think what I'd uh, one of the things I'd like to comment on most is um, is how well um, the stakeholders in uh, McNamara Street have have worked with us. They've been incredibly patient, allowing us to uh, complete this job and. I think it looks uh, pretty more smashing at the moment. Next on the list is to test the festoon lights. I'm told we're doing that tonight. Is that the case, John? That's correct. We're going to have a bit of a trial of the festoons over the car park at about 7.30 at 7.30 tonight. So it's going to be quite exciting to see uh, to see those on. They've actually, um, uh, they'll be able to be used at times when we've got uh, market days, those sort of things. And I think council will still have to work out the protocol of when we turn them on and off. But they're fairly flexible as well. With the uh, we can adjust the brightness of those, or um, or you know have them off or on completely. Um, other things that we're looking at doing uh, in the next week will be the installation of wheel stops adjacent to the trees, so that to avoid them being damaged, and also tree surround, which will have the grates and the surrounds that go around the trees, and that will allow us to remove a lot of those orange barriers that we've currently got in the street. Mm-hmm. So apart from our tree surrounds and the festoon lights being tested, what are the final sort of stages we've got left in store to fix this up and completely wrap it all up? I guess one of the final stages is a little bit more artwork. Um, some of the artwork we commenced but uh, it couldn't be completed to uh, weather and, of course, COVID. Some of the artists aren't from uh, aren't local, and um, you know, once they're back on uh, back on site, they can complete the work. And uh, it, uh, I think, we'll just about have um, McNamara Street wrapped up. Excellent. And is there a whisper of a pop-up shop still to come as well, John? I know we're waiting on that one to be delivered, but I hear that's still going to go in at the front of the car park there. That's correct. Um, we've. Um, the pop-up shops in the process of being manufactured at the moment, and um, we're hoping that'll be um, installed in late October. Excellent. And then a, a new business that's trying to make it into the CBD space will quickly fill that one. Thanks for your time, John. Thank you, Ellie. Operations Manager John Boyd was talking with Ellie Price. You're listening to the Orange Podcast. If you've driven down Peasley Street in the last couple of months, you would have seen a huge construction site behind the Civic Centre. It's our new extension to our original gallery taking shape. And it's fantastic that now some, some real flesh has been put on the bones inside that to find out some more of how that building's progressing. Uh, Director of the Orange Regional Gallery, Brad Hammond. Brad, you've just been for a walk through. Um, do, do you go through the construction site much and are you excited when you come out? I usually get to go through about once a fortnight, and every time I come out, I don't sleep for the rest of the night because it's so exciting. Uh, you know, it's it's a space that's coming together, as I imagine, but even more exciting once we see it, you know, from animations to the real thing. It's great. Let's talk about some of the features in there. We've just seen a, a very large gallery, bigger than the, the, the largest in the, in the current system, but how is it lit? It's lit in a very special way. Yeah, from the outset, um, we're working with the architects to create a space which has natural light because natural natural light is really a much richer light range and most artists, I'd say about 80% of painters particularly, are making artwork using natural light at home. And everyone knows this when you go to the hardware store and you choose a colour and then you go home, it's totally different. Well, you can imagine being an artist working away in your studio and then your work comes into a gallery environment with totally different lighting. Everything looks different. So 
it's one of the constant frustrations for artists and so we wanted to create a space which really meets artists with everything they need to show the work that they uh, have put you know all of those uh, weeks months and years into so we're already getting um, uh, great calls from some really exciting artists who want to show in this space because they can see the benefit of it already so uh, it was from the outset it felt something really important to add that to orange to have that kind of space I imagine there are good reasons why you don't usually display art on, in direct sunlight. It can't be good for the paintings. Well, that's right. One of the one of the challenges to any artwork is UV damage. So this system that we have, it, lo- it allows the daylight in, but it is completely UV filtered. So um, it's a really beautifully designed system. It catches light from all directions. So through the seasons, you're getting a lot of great rich light coming through. It's not like a normal skylight, which is just one directional. Um, but we can fully control it as well, and that's the really exciting part. So we can really flood the space with natural light, or we can dial it right back, just have a soft ambient light, or completely close it off for large-scale digital media installations and projections. Another space in the new gallery extension is a, is a small theatrette, 70-odd seats. Why do we need a, a theatre that that's that size? We wanted a space where we could have gatherings around our exhibitions before our exhibition openings or sp- specific talks by artists or film screenings or documentaries that was both intimate but it could take a fair-sized crowd. So um, we, didn't, we don't have a space like that in Orange where, you know, we can use it for those, certainly not in the gallery. And we also wanted to create a space which would draw use from the wider community for you know, a range of things, from commercial to uh, local um, community groups who want to use the space. And so we see that as a kind of way of providing a platform for them, but also bringing in a diverse range to the audience. So for those people who aren't normally interested in art, they'll sort of stumble across art by accident by using some of the other and then uh, hopefully fall in love with it. In a few years' time, you can therefore imagine a, a civic theatre with a very large space, uh, maybe a conservatorium with 250 seats, and then a smaller one. That sort of that adds some complementary spaces there. Yeah, one of the key things is we, you know, we've all the cultural facilities have moved beyond being just passive places where you know the audience have come come in and expected just to view something and then leave. Uh, that's still always going to be a really important part of what we do. But the other really uh, exciting parts is about participation, people sharing ideas, learning and also making. So we've refurbished the East and West rooms as part of this broader plan that they become workshop spaces. The theatre is a place of learning and sharing ideas and then the gallery space is a place of viewing and essentially receiving art from from a whole range of different artists. So those three facets are are kind of three pillars of the whole uh, approach. In the gallery, though, it used to be if there was a touring exhibition and the truck pulled up at the back, they went to a, a loading dock and things just landed on the back dock. How is this one different, and, and why will that be extra care for the paintings? We can imagine if you're loaning really valuable works from major institutions and you don't really have the proper facilities to take care of them in the right environmentally controlled uh, conditions, that, that puts those artworks at risk. Uh, this new design enables us to meet the requirements of those large lending institutions in terms of uh, protection of the works from environmental fluctuations. Uh, many people don't realize that if you put a painting through heating and cooling, dramatic changes also in terms of humidity and temperature, similar to the side of a cliff which is like shale, and if it's freezing and heating and freezing and heating, all those little pieces start to shatter off. It's exactly the same but on a, on a fine scale. So uh, we always want to try to keep uh, uh, valuable artwork in stable conditions so that we reduce that sort of impact. What happens? A truck comes to the loading dock, uh, the, the, the roller door goes up. How is that, that journey into the storage space protecting the art? 
Well, we have uh, what's called an airlock. So uh, for those higher-level loans which might come in a crate, uh, they will acclimatize in that airlock for 24 hours and then we'll crack that open. The artwork will go through to the new collection store and the crates will go into the existing loading dock where the conditions aren't that critical. Um, and so that's a plus for us in terms of loaning those higher-level works in the future and um, also some international exhibitions coming as well. So it just means that we can, we can assure the lenders that we're taking the best care of the works that they're lending to our community to experience. And also, really importantly for our own collection, we've got some extraordinary uh, pieces that are really important in Australian art. Uh, we, a lot of the community don't realise that because they haven't been able to come in and see work in the collection facilities and really get to know their collection. So this whole new approach will protect those works. It'll allow the community to be able to view the works in storage, but also the Alan Sisley Gallery will in the future become a permanent collection space as well so that people can revisit and get to know their collection and see it grow. The extension construction project's now on its home straight. Are you looking forward to welcoming people to the finished article? I think that's it. really exciting to firstly envisage the exhibitions in the spaces after being closed for quite some time, but even more importantly, visualising or imagining people coming in and seeing the direct experience or having the direct experience of the original artworks in our new spaces. That's hugely exciting. Um, we've had great support from the community in terms of um, fundraising. That's, uh, it's great that the community has been able to come on us with that journey while we've been closed for so long. Um, you know, It's always one of the challenges with closing that you're going to lose your audience, but our, our supporters have just come with us and have actually really stepped up in terms of helping us to raise over half a million dollars um, and so it's really going to be exciting to share with them what their contribution has manifested. Brad Hammer, thanks for your time today. Thanks, Alan. And that's all for the show this week. Thanks for tuning in. As always, you can download this and other episodes from the Orange City Council website or subscribe and follow from wherever you get your podcasts. Until next week, for the Orange Podcast, this is Alan Reader. Bye for now.